If you will, turn with me this morning back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer, as we are committing ourselves for the next 24 months to the life of Jesus and uh, studying it in depth, calling our uh, study of his life the real Jesus, uh, because the truth of it is, is that much that we know about Jesus is true and it's accurate. Um, yet there's some um, teachings that we've probably been exposed to over the years that haven't quite gone the distance, maybe as they should. And Jesus is so great that we have in no doubt exhausted all there is to know about him, right? And so as we take this journey together, uh, we will continue to learn more and more about who he is and what he has done for us and what he wants to do through us. And so I thought there was no better place for us to begin a study on Jesus than to look at the prayer life of Jesus. And so, so far we have made our way, uh, uh, we made our way to the halfway point or just beyond the halfway point of the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer now shifts in its uh, pronoun. We have been looking at uh, uh, the, the pronoun your, your kingdom come, your will be done, hallowed be your name. And now the, uh, the prayer shifts away from your, speaking of God, to a more personal pronoun of us or our. And so this morning, as in keeping with what we've done, we're just taking small little bites out of this prayer. And so this morning, we just want to focus in on verse 11. Verse 11 is real easy, uh, real easy to pray, real easy to remember. And it simply says, Jesus says, when we pray, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the first thing we want to do this morning is we want to really answer the question of what does Jesus mean by daily bread, okay? What does Jesus mean? What is the definition of daily bread? Because in our current modern world, uh, especially living in America, uh, it seems almost comical to pray, give us this day our daily bread, Right? Because some of you threw away bread this morning because you've had it so long it had mold on it, right? Uh, bread is not an issue for us. Uh, bread is something we eat while we wait on our meal to get there, right? <laughs> bread is not very high on the uh, food scale for us. And so when, when Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread, what does he mean by daily bread? Well, it's pretty simple. Here's what he means. Whatever is necessary to sustain physical life. Whatever is necessary to sustain physical life. So when Jesus says, pray, give us this day our daily bread, what does he mean by daily bread? Whatever is necessary to sustain physical life. Now, the Greek word order of give us this day our daily bread when i read it in the greek for the first time i was like that, that sounds like yoda speaking because here's the way if you read it in the original language 
This is the way it reads. Our daily bread, give us this day. Our, our daily bread, give us this day. That's the way it literally reads. Our daily bread, give us this day. Jesus is the wise master, right? Isn't that what the disciples call him? Master. And he has, des he has designed his model prayer to lay waste to all of our selfish schemes. Now, just remember where we started with the Lord's Prayer, is that the, the aim of the Lord's Prayer, it has an order, right? We said it has a, an orientation, an a, a order that it follows. And, and what, is it, what is the Lord's Prayer attempting to do? It is attempting, and its aim is to reorient our hearts. Why? Because our hearts are bent in the wrong direction. Our hearts are bent inward. And the Lord's Prayer seeks to bend us outward. And not just outward, but to bend us upward. You see, maybe you've heard this uh, before in, in, in church. I've heard it all my life. Is that the aim of prayer is not for us to change God's mind, but for God to change our mind. Right? It's not to get God on our agenda, but for God to get us on His agenda. Each section of this prayer turns our, uh, turns our hearts towards our Father. Every syllable target, targeted to weak, weaken our knees. Everything specialized and weaponized towards dependence. Only God is self-sustaining. Can I say that to you one more time? Only God is self-sustaining. And when we attempt to live our lives in such a manner... You know what we do? We rob God of his glory. Weakness is strength in the kingdom of God. Weakness is strength in the kingdom of God. And so that leads me to the second point and the final point of this morning sermon. It's simply this. I want us to see the design of daily bread. What has God designed in getting us to pray our daily bread? Because there's something he's going after. Everything has been crafted and oriented and shaped and ordered to do something. There is a design here in this prayer. So what is the design of us praying, give us this day our daily bread? Well, here we go. Ready? Humility. Humility. Not humiliation, but humility. And we see that humility in the word give. Give us is not a haughty, but a humble request. You know, there's two ways you can say give us, right? You can say give us like you deserve it, haughty, you better give me what I deserve, or you can say it humbly. Haughty says give us because we've worked hard and we deserve daily bread. Well, that's the way a lot of people pray to God, right? God, I'm making my request, and you should give me what I'm requesting because I've done really well, I've worked really hard, I've been really obedient, I've done whatever, fill in the blank, and therefore you should give me what it is that I'm asking for. Many people obey God for no other reasons so that they can hold God hostage in prayer to grant them what they've asked Him for. As though obedience becomes uh, 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 an ability that we can twist God's arm to do what we want him to do. 
There is a scene in, in the old movie Shenandoah where Jimmy Stewart eats a meal with his children shortly after his wife dies. I know some of y'all are Western people. Y'all like to watch that Western channel, right? Anybody remember the movie Shenandoah? Jimmy Stewart, one of my favorite old actors. And in that movie, they have the wife has died and they are gathering around the table to pray. Now, in, in the movie, Jimmy Stewart's wife did all of the praying, okay? But now that she's gone, the children have asked Jimmy Stewart, the daddy who's never prayed, to pray before the meal. Here's his prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this meal. We plowed the ground. We planted the seed. We pulled the weeds. We harvested the wheat. We ground the flour. We baked the bread. But thank you, Lord, for this meal. That's not a humble prayer. That's the man just simply praying Letting God know that we basically did all the work for this, but thank you anyway. Here's what a humble, here's what God's aim is in having us to pray, give. It's, it's humility. And humility says, give us because it is you who gives the power to get daily bread. Right? Who is it that gives you the power to get wealth? You? Your, your own smarts, your own intellect, your, your, your own strength. Deuteronomy reminds us that it is God who gives us the power to get wealth. We pray for our daily bread knowing that God created plants for our food. We know he puts us in families where we learn to work. He gave us strength to plow, plant, and harvest. We do not view these as accidents but as gifts from God. Therefore, we pray, give us our Give us today our daily bread, and we thank him whenever we eat. Why? Because we realize that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. We come to him saying, give out of humility. So the aim, the design, is to create humble people. Secondly, the design is trust, is trust. I said earlier, God is self-sustaining. And when we attempt to live in such a manner, we rob him of his glory. Weakness is strength in the kingdom of God. It is the object of one's trust that determines its strength. Can I say that to you one more time? It is the object of one's trust that determines its strength. What is our object as Christians? Well, we have to go back to the beginning of the prayer. Our object is our Father, right? That's why the prayer begins, Our Father. Because what it does is it roots us in the object of our trust. If you, don't, if you don't think that's true, watch this. Psalm 33, 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Watch. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his what? Holy name. 
Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Nothing is more beautiful than a child fully trusting in their father's words. A child trusting in their father's name brings glory to him and brings their highest good. Most children never worry about their daily needs. Why? Their experience has taught them that day in and day out, their parents place clothes on their backs and food on their table. Children rest, as children should, in their parents' goodness and greatness. In this prayer, God is fostering in us daily dependence on himself. No other line in the Lord's Prayer so sharply challenges the direction of today's world. Our world teaches us to pursue financial security and independence. But Scripture encourages us in Proverbs 6 to pay attention to the ant. She, the ant, prepares for the future as an expression of trust in God, not to the exclusion of trust in God. The Lord spoke to Joseph about storing up, storing up for a future famine that would strike Egypt. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future. But it is wrong to make total independence your consuming goal. Christians should live in... Listen, I'm going to give you a phrase this morning. Christians should live in prepared dependence. Prepared dependence. We should be like the ant, prepared. But we should live like birds, dependent. I'll get to the birds in a minute, okay? Some of you probably already know what I mean by we should live like the birds, dependent. Whether we are rich or poor, God wants us to depend on him daily. He wants us all to pray for our daily needs, and he wants us to daily thank him. Now, beginning in verse 19 of chapter 6, Jesus further elaborates on our need to pray for daily bread. You see, Jesus says something beginning in verse 19 that's really interesting. And what he said is, is that our tendency is towards accumulation and anxiety. Jesus' teaching is bending us towards trust and tranquility. A lot of people don't have peace or tranquility. You know why? Because all they're focused in on is accumulation, and that causes anxiety. So look at these verses. Matthew 19, starting uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's a command. Where moth and rust dust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, watch this. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. You know, there's a certain segment of the church population that just needs to really have that posted in their closet 
on Sunday mornings. Don't worry about what you put on. Just put something on, but don't really worry about it. Don't stress out over it. Just put something on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's the question. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you what? Need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Trust. Trust. When I read these verses, two thoughts came to my mind. Hoarders are not happy. And you say, oh, I'm not a hoarder. I'm not talking about TV hoarders. That's extreme hoarding. I'm not talking about that. Hoarding can come in, in, at different levels, right? Probably if you've got more than one of something, you're a hoarder. That could be a definition of hoarding, right? I mean, you've got a Phillips head screwdriver. Why do you have 10? right? You got a nice pair of black high heel shoes. Why do you need eight? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender. You know, everybody can, you know, get mad. I say the same thing to myself. I walked in this morning, looked in my closet. I had more than one pair of tennis shoes to choose from to wear to church this morning. Why do I have more than one pair? And how about this? The other, the other thought that came to my mind, hoarders are not happy, which is true, but accumulators are anxious. Accumulators are anxious. Jesus designed this prayer for our ultimate happiness. Jesus employs daily to teach us, watch, nobody's going to like it right here, but thank goodness this is right at the end of the sermon. He employs this to teach us moderation. Moderation. Jesus does not say, ask for everything you will ever need. We should pray for what we need one day at a time. Jesus urges us to petition God for daily needs. We pray for every need, not for every desire. Scripture tells us not to pray for wealth. 
Watch this. Proverbs 30. Two things I ask of you. This is a prayer. Deny them, not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. It's a good prayer to pray, right? <laughs> Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Just let that sink in for a moment. Or lest be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Paul adds this, 1 Timothy 6. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harm, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. These passages teach us to pray. These passages teach us that to pray for wealth is to pray for temptation. But we pray, lead us not into temptation. The proverb says, wealth tempts us to forget God. And Paul says that the quest for wealth entrap, uh, can entrap us. So let us not pray for riches. Such scriptures should not be used to formulate a theology that believes that prosperity is evil. Okay, so let's don't, let's don't go to the other extreme. Because remember what he said? He's not asking for riches, nor is he asking for the Lord to make him poor. He wants to be middle class. That's what it sounds like. There's a difference between becoming wealthy through hard work. Listen, there's a difference between becoming wealthy through hard work and working hard to become wealthy. The goal of the first is to serve others. The goal of the second is self-service. The first man will have to strive to resist temptation. The second man is asking for temptation. If people living in surplus began to live in moderation, what would be the natural result? And the natural result is the, is the design of the prayer, and that is this, last generosity. Can you give me about three or four minutes and listen to these words? I know what y'all are doing. Y'all already looking at your clock. There ain't no way. Well, you should have been here last week. <laughs> Many of us, statistically speaking, are wealthy. We need this section, okay? We need this section. We, everybody in here, we need this section to reorient our hearts away, away from greed towards generosity. Let me ask you, is, every, is anybody in here as generous as you should be? Because at this point, I would step away from the pulpit. I need to hear what you've got to say. No, none of us are. Jesus does this by employing the powerful plural pronoun, us. Give us. Or our, our daily bread. So here's, the, here's what we need to ask in closing. What is greed? That's, that's an awful big term, isn't it? 
I don't have a definition, but let me give you this. And, and this, because what we need is just something to, to get us thinking in the right direction. At the very least, greed is living on 100% of what you earn. At the very least, greed is living on 100% of what you earn. Now, I don't have a better definition of that, but that's a starting point, right? Once again, our hearts are confronted with change. Our reminds us that it's not about me. The gospel-centered prayer, this gospel-centered prayer confronts my greed and aims to conform me into the image of God. And what is the image of God? He is generous. Amen? Is God generous? Did he, he withhold his best from you? Romans 8 says he did. And Romans 8.32 says he did not. He gave his best when he gave his own son. And Paul would say in Corinthians, For our sake Christ became poor that we might become rich. God has not withheld his best from us. He is generosity. Most of us live in surplus, not in scarcity. In the Old Testament, God told his people not to harvest the edges of their field, but to leave them for the poor. Our Father answers our daily bread prayers through his people. We are most like our Father when we are generous. There is but one effective weapon against greed, and that is giving. You see, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, do you realize what you are, in essence, saying? God? Listen, this, this is a prayer that God wants to answer. But most of the time, when God answers prayer for daily bread, do you know how he answers prayer for daily bread? Is that he takes people that have surplus and uses them as a means to provide daily bread for those who do not have bread. So how much should I give? Praying this prayer will enable you to answer this question. I don't know how much you should give. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus has provided us with weaponized words designed to destroy our anxiety, our unhappiness, and our depression. Anybody in here want to be more happy? Less anxious? Less depressed? Give us this day our daily bread. It is a weapon, those are weaponized words to bring about the destruction. Why? Because Jesus says that you, you guys and me, we are worried and anxious and all been out of shape over what? Needs. We're not trusting. We're not trusting. We don't believe he's as good as he says he is. Some of us believe that Jesus is fake news. He can't be that good. He can't be that great. And yet he is. 
His words pave a path that leads our souls into prosperity. Give us this day our daily bread is the language of rest. How many of you like to rest? How many of you like a good nap? Today's my favorite day of the week. Because usually, by the time when I get home, my recliner's back, and I'm just unconscious to the world. It's a day of Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It's a day to put my feet up and not do anything. Brandy's like, what do you want to do today? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I just want to rest. And when I read those words again and again and again and again this week, give us this day our daily bread, it was like the Holy Spirit was just whispering in my ear, and he was saying, this is where rest is found. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are a tired people. <laughs> but our weariness is not because we've been working hard for you. <laughs> our weariness comes from that we have been working against you. We have, we have not trusted you in the way that we should trust you. We have depended on ourselves. We have come to you in, in a haughty manner, asking you to give us because you say to ask, but yet we're asking you to give because we've done something for you, not asking you to, to give because you're just gracious and because we don't deserve anything. And then, Father, we don't give because we have not learned to live in moderation. You're not against us having stuff. You're, you're just so sick and tired of stuff having us. And our joy's gone and our happiness is gone and our peace is gone and we are anxious and we are bent out of shape and we are ornery and we are angry and we're just not very pleasant to be around because our stuff has us. And then yet you have given us a pathway towards peace and happiness and that is to be generous as you are nothing thrilled your soul more than to give your son so that we might be reconciled to you and so father this morning i pray that you would begin to turn our hearts away from ourselves and begin through praying this prayer daily that you would begin to bend our hearts away from the inward, and bend it upward so that we can be used for your glory in this world in which we live, that the kingdom of God may be seen, that the kingdom of God may be visible because we are willing and desirous for this prayer to be answered in our life. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to stand. Let's sing one more song together. Our altars are open if you desire to come and pray during this time.